Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to John chapter 6. And if you want to get ahead, 1 Kings chapter 8. And I've entitled our Bible study today, Living with Loyalty. Living with Loyalty. Heading into a new year, it's very encouraging to think about what God might want to do in our lives. What new changes are up ahead? What new strength are we going to experience? What hope is God going to deposit into our lives? What big steps of faith does God have in store for us that we might meet him in a fresh new way? And I know that a new year really is just the changing of a calendar, the changing of our measurement of time. But like we read in the Psalms today, like, man, we need to know how to number our days and to live them out day by day. Like actually taking Psalm 90 verse 12 and making it your prayer, and you just come to the Lord, God, teach me how to number today. And really what he's saying is, God, God, teach me how to make today matter, just today. I don't have yesterday, tomorrow's not here, and what do you have for me today? Now, heading into a new year, I'm encouraged by the commitment of the men and women in the Bible, especially Peter. I'm very encouraged thinking of Peter in his devotion and worship of Jesus. Because deep down in his heart, he was a loyal man, a loyal man. He loved his friend and savior, Jesus, and was willing to do anything and go anywhere and pay any price to follow him. But I ask you to open to John chapter six because we come to this time in the life and times of, and ministry of Jesus where Jesus was sharing some hard things and as a result, many people left. And I draw your attention when you get there in chapter 6 to verse 66, which is kind of a bummer verse, 666. But here it is, because it's a bad, it's a real difficult verse. It's like sad. In John 666, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And the words were just too hard. And so many people walked away, didn't want to follow him anymore, too much. Then notice it says in verse 67, Jesus turns to the ones that are following him, the 12, the ones that are closest to him, and asks this question. He says, do you also want to go away? And Peter immediately answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, they're loyal, they're committed. And Peter seems to be most affected by that question. He goes, hey, where are we gonna go? We're, we're in this with you. We're not going anywhere. And I wonder today if we were to ask the same question in the room, what the answer would be. I know what it would be if I did it right now. I know what it would be if I asked for a raising of hands and I said, you know, how many of you are committed to follow the Lord? I am. How many of you think 2024 is going to be great? I am. How many of you think you're going to fall away? No way. No way. We're not going to leave the Lord. But I want you to consider this just really on a micro level here. I want you to pause for a second and consider the reality because I know we can, get, we can get the room moving and we can all express our commitment 
but I want you to consider this. Do you want to go away? Now, we may not walk away from Jesus. I give you that. We may not walk away from Jesus, but we may want to walk away from other things. I mean, there, there, there's someone listening to me right now that's ready to walk away from their marriage, and they're already making plans for it. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Some of you, you want to walk away from ministry, maybe. You've been serving the Lord, and you're like, oh, I don't know, this year it's been so hard. I don't want to serve the Lord anymore. Or maybe walk away from a church or this church. You go, you know what? This is my problem. 2024 is going to be so new because the problem is the church. The problem is the church. The only problem is, is that you're the problem. And so if you head off to another church, you're going to take your problems with you. That you don't want to walk away from a place that God has placed you in. I mean, certainly there are times to move on for sure, but not just because it's hard. It's God checking your heart. Maybe you want to walk away from people. Maybe 2024 is the year you're like, yeah, I don't think I want to deal with anybody this year. But that's not possible. That's just not possible. And certainly all of us would want, love to walk away from our problems Hey, look, I know you, you want to go away. Sometimes the answer could be yes to that question. Sadly, many people walk away and take a break and never come back. Sometimes it's physically, but most of the time it's emotionally, spiritually. I think what they call that is you just shut down and go through the motions. And that's not God's heart for you. It's opportunities in your life to really check your loyalty. Who are you loyal to? Where is your loyalty? Charles Spurgeon would say this. He said, dear brothers and sisters, if the Lord calls you to things that you cannot do, he will give you the strength to do them. And if he should push you still further until your difficulties increase and your burdens become heavy, as your day, so shall your strength be. You shall march with the indomitable spirit of those who have tried and trusted the naked arm of the eternal God, end quote. 2024 will undoubtedly bring to us things that are beyond our ability, but God will give us the strength to do them. He's called us to them. He wants our lives to bear fruit. That's a big part of your life, to bear fruit, to see people saved through your life, to see lives changed, to see families rescued. Maybe your own family needs rescuing. Maybe this is the year where you finally turn the corner. And you say, Lord, God, I, this is my life the way it is. It is not what I expected it to be. This is not what I thought it would be. And here I am. I surrender my life to you. It could be the very fruit that comes through your life this year. It's God's will for believers to bear fruit and for unbelievers to come to him in repentance. Today, we're reminded, heading into a new year, that serving Jesus for a long time requires a wholehearted commitment, not half-hearted, not a half-hearted commitment. In other words, we are to submit and to serve Jesus with our whole and undivided heart, or I want to introduce to you another word when it comes to serving Jesus with a loyal heart, wholehearted, committed and loyal. I asked you to open to 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 61. If you're there, notice with me the admonition, the instruction from God here. In 1 Kings 8 verse 61, it says, let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandment as it is this day. Let your heart therefore be loyal. You've got a brand new year ahead of you, 
You don't know what's in front of you. You know that 2023 and everything else is behind you. I mean, I even want you to consider this. I mean, I think in the life of our church, right? We're, we're 24 years old now as a church, so we've had 24 new years. 24 New Year's services, 24 messages, I'm sure if I went back to look, 24 times, like, come on church, let's do it. Let's go church. And, and yet all of them are behind us. We only have today now. And this is the same thing that God has called me to do once again, is to stir our church up in love and good works. And let's go forward. Let's really consider what God would have. And it starts not with the church, but with us and our devotion and our loyalty. If you're taking notes, if you look up the word loyalty in an English dictionary, the definition of loyal here is a great definition. It means, and I quote, giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to a person or an institution. That is how we almost always think of loyalty. Loyalty is a beautiful characteristic of a man or a woman with great integrity, loyalty, someone you can rely upon, someone that keeps their word, someone that has a firm and constant support and allegiance in a relationship or even to an institution. That's how we think of loyalty most of the time. It made me think about the home that I grew up in, my dad. My dad was a very quiet man, but a very strong man. And one of the characteristics that I noticed, he didn't teach it to me, he didn't sit me down and say, son, this is what it is. I watched him. And one of the characteristics of his life was my dad was a loyal man. Anybody that had ever met him, anyone that ever relied upon him, anyone that ever needed something for him, this guy, he was loyal. He was a union man. So that, it came from a man, he was loyal to the union, he was loyal to the different companies that he worked for, he was loyal to his wife, he was loyal to his children, this man was a loyal. So that's become a high value in my own life. It's become a high value, just in that basic level, that I want to be a loyal man, I want to be faithful, I want to be reliable, I want you to know that, that when I say something, I mean it, and I'm, I'm serious about it, and I'm loyal, you don't need to worry about me, because when I'm in, I'm in. Now think about that, that the, the church just filled with that characteristic, loyalty be wonderful and amazing, but do you know that the Bible word has even a deeper meaning than that? Because you see, when it comes to things in the church as for the believer, everything doesn't start with us. It always starts with the Lord. It always starts with him. It's always a vertical relationship. Because apart from him, we can't be very loyal. And apart from him, we can't be very reliable. Apart from him, we're 50-50 at best. Most likely less than 50-50 at worst. But the word loyal here in 1 Kings chapter 8 has even a deeper meaning. The Hebrew word is salim, salim, and it's so much deeper. It has the idea, if you're taking notes, of complete, safe, whole, undivided, and again, fully committed. So when you put these together, I mean, it's an amazing thing to have. It, 14 times it's used in the Old Testament, 11 times in the positive, three times in the negative, and this word is used to describe stones that an altar was to be made of, so whole, complete stones. It was used to describe fair and accurate weights in the marketplace. 
This word in the Hebrew in the Bible was used to describe wages that were paid in full, that expectation of your wages, they were given to you completely. And here, it's also used to describe wholehearted devotion to God. I wanna be clear here. The loyalty that we're speaking of today, God is not asking you to be loyal to a man. He's not asking you to be loyal to a church. He's not asking you to be loyal to an institution. He's not asking you to be loyal to anyone for anything. He's asking you and commanding you to be loyal to him. That's where it starts. The loyalty that you're looking for with others can only come if your heart is devoted to him. And that's the key. I mean, if this is something, if this is something you don't deal with this year, then you're gonna have another year like last year, or the year before, or the year before, where the Lord is just using circumstances to draw you to himself. Loyalty is so important to God because of one word. I mean, there's a lot of different words, but let me give to you one today, and that is division. Division is very bad among believers in the body of Christ. But you know, division's much bigger than that. The division is alive and well today. I think of how many families today are divided for a lot of different reasons. How many marriages are divided? How many friendships are divided? There are churches that are divided. There are churches against churches. There are people divided. Even in this church right now, there are division between people where people are just doing their own thing and and then coming against others and not willing to do what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, go to the person, you and him alone, and work it out. The Lord wants you to work it out. He wants you to be in unity, but one of the reasons why you won't work it out, listen, this is a word from the Lord for someone. One of the reasons you won't work it out is your loyalty to God is lacking. You love yourself more than you love God, and that will cause pain. There's a lot of division among us. I mean, I think of what's coming up. You know, we've got another political cycle coming, and you know what's gonna happen. It is gonna make people freak out. Because they're going to adopt, they're going to love politics more than they love God. And when you love politics more than you love God, you are a very divisive person. Very divisive. Maybe it's not politics. Maybe it's the economy and what's going to happen with the economy. And maybe it's the racial tension and division that's going on. Whatever it might be, let me just say this. And maybe I didn't touch on the division that you're in right now, but we'll just include it right now. You can say it in your mind, and we go, yep, that's divided too. Yes. And let me just say this. The enemy of our souls loves division. Because sometimes the devil believes the Bible more than followers of Christ. He believes the words of Jesus sometimes more than we do. Well, you remember what Jesus said, because you know, you're like, come on, pastor, you're exaggerating. I'm not. I am not exaggerating. This is from where we sit and what we deal with on a regular basis. I'm not exaggerating. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said this in Mark chapter three, verse 25. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. In other places, will not stand. You're just, division will lead to destruction. And let me say, as we bring this personally, as we head into this new year, by far the greatest division among us right now is not all of the other things that I mentioned. By far the greatest division that exists is a divided heart. A divided heart. 
Division weakens our effectiveness. Division weakens our resolve. Division weakens our strength. Division destroys and takes people out. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter four and verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. You gotta protect that heart. When the Bible speaks of heart, it's not merely speaking of the pumping muscle that's in your chest cavity. It's speaking about the essence of who you are. You know how we talk about the heart of the matter, getting down to the root of who you are. You protect that. You protect that because out of it spring all the issues of life. Friends, the division that exists in your heart is the greatest danger to the church's progress and health today, a divided heart. James, remember, he describes somebody that has a a double mind. He says in James chapter one, verse eight, he says, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is unstable, unreliable. You can't be trusted, disloyal. I want you to mark that word. The opposite of a loyal heart toward God is a disloyal. And that's a heavy word. That is a heavy word to consider in your relationship with God. Because there's a lot of things that we just make excuses for. Well, you know, I haven't been really reading my Bible, but you know, I'll get back to it. And I haven't really been praying. I haven't really been in church. And you know what? They just roll off our lips like it's no big deal. But try this. Try this. You know, the last year I've been, you know, I haven't been reading my Bible. I haven't been praying all that. If that describes you, try saying this. It's really hard. Says, yeah, I've just been very disloyal to God. You're like, whoa. That gets your attention. Because loyalty diminishes division. Loyalty diminishes division and brings unity. So that when you and I are loyal to God, we're in oneness with God. And then when you and I are loyal with one another, we have one mind. Just like the early church we were learning in the book of Acts. They came together how? In one accord. They were in unity. Their hearts were fastened together. The greatest danger in the church progress today is a divided heart. The church is to be led and served by and filled with men and women who are stable and strong, abiding in Christ with a confident, committed, undivided heart. In Philippians chapter two and verse 13, it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is working in us and he's wanting to use us together. The woman, the man with a divided heart is a walking civil war. Fighting a battle and wasting energy that you don't need to be in. This civil war is where trust and distrust of God wage a continual battle against each other, destroying our effectiveness. We see this in the life of Solomon. King Solomon was David's, King David's son. And he grew up in a very privileged position pretty much had everything handed to him. He didn't have to fight the wars that his dad fought. He didn't have to go through the battles. God had him prepared and prepped by the family that he was was born into. Unfortunately, unfortunately, he doesn't end his life very well, Solomon. I mean, this is one of the ironies and paradoxes of the Bible. There are many, by the way. But here's a guy, early on in his life, he, he's, he's given an option by God of what to choose. You know, anything you want. You want, what do you want, Solomon? And Solomon says, I need wisdom. That's what I need. I need wisdom to run, these, to, to run this country and lead and love these people. And God gave him wisdom and riches and direction. 
and direction. We can't miss that. Because it was at the end of Solomon's life that his heart was not loyal to God and for a very good reason. Let me read it to you. Uh, you can jot it down in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse four. It says, for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives, you're like, wait a minute, is that the plural? Did you read that right, pastor? Yes, that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, David. Solomon, what happened? Well, we know what happened. Bible students, those that read the Bible, you know what happened. Solomon married many women, many wives and concubines. And so some will look at that and go, wait a minute, you know, that was the cultural thing for kings to do. That was the cultural thing for kings to do, to, to marry the daughters of other kings of other countries so they could have an allegiance and have a treaty together and then there would be peace and after all, the more peace there is, the more prosperity is. So that was cultural. And if you were to say that, you would be right. It was very cultural, very unusual. I mean, very usual for kings to marry uh, their daughters off and to marry each other and have families together so that they could be in treaty and agreement together so that a broad swath of peace would be among many countries. You're right, it was cultural, except God said don't do it. Doesn't that sound like our, cult to our world today? I think of how many are listening to me right now, calling themselves believers, following after, and there's a lot of things that is cultural, a lot of things that are be done, but God said don't. And when you choose to do something that God says don't, you have a divided heart, a disobedient heart, the Bible says. How do you want to live 2024? I hope you want to live with a loyal heart. You know, the wives that Solomon married, God said don't. They're going to turn your heart away. And you know how it is. Sometimes you're like, oh, I don't believe that. That'll never happen to me. I'll never walk away. I'll never, I'll never be a prodigal. I'll never become an atheist or whatever. You'll never what? But it's amazing over the years of longevity here where I've seen people that were right here with us and they're not walking with the Lord anymore. And certainly along the way, I'm sure they would say, oh, that'll never happen to me. No, you take heed lest you fall. Humble yourself before the Lord. You don't know what's gonna happen, especially if you have a divided heart. I know there's pressure going on. I know there's cultural pressure. There's pressure in our lives to make decisions that are contrary to the word of God, but you do so at your own peril. And that's what your life is made up of. You know, your life is made up of a series of choices. And even though you look back and go, man, I made a lot of bad choices, it's not too late to make some good ones. The Bible calls that repentance a true turn away from your past. If you keep repeating the bad mistakes of your past, you're going to continue to see an increase exponentially of the consequences of repetitive bad decisions. That's what Solomon is here. Turn over to second, or First Chronicles now, chapter 12. I wanna show you another episode in the life of David where this word is used. So powerful. First Chronicles chapter 12. When you get there, I'll draw your attention to verse 38. First Chronicles 12, verse 38. We have a time in the life of David where he's ready to go out to battle. A real battle, a real war. Physical, real war. And God draws around him men who possess a loyal heart to fight with them, to partner with him. It's so good. Notice verse 38. All these men of war who could keep ranks came to Hebron with a 
loyal heart to make David king over all Israel and all the rest of Israel were of one mind to make David king. So if you guys like to write in your Bibles, which if you don't yet, you should, and you have a paper Bible, I want you to circle the phrase, circle the phrase loyal heart, put a circle around it, and then also circle the phrase one mind, and then draw just a little line between the two, because they go together. Now we looked earlier in James chapter one about it being a double-minded man. Well, how can, can you and I avoid being double-minded? We avoid being double-minded by not being double-hearted. They go together. Who you are in the inner person affects how you think. And you know, the good thing is, is that when you change your mind, your heart will follow. So, so many times, like, oh, my heart is just so lost in this and so lost in that. No, no, just change your mind. Choose to follow the Lord and God will deal with your heart. I love this. David was surrounded by men who were ready to go lay everything on the line to fight with him because they were loyal. They were committed to him. They were all in. That's a phrase that we like to use. They were all in. They, they weren't straddling the fence, if you will. They weren't dabbling in the world. They weren't pretending. They weren't in a church service like that and you're just totally pretending right now. God is not well pleased with that. And you know it. We may not know it. We don't go around interviewing you. We don't go around asking questions. You know what we do here? We beg you to get right with the Lord. That's what we do. We beg you. We're warning you. It's not gonna end well. It's not gonna end well. It's not going well right now. And so we aren't interested in like digging up all the dirt in your life. We're just interested in you getting right with the Lord. That's what's important. That's so vital. Your loyal heart. Right now your divided heart's wrecking you. And many times it wrecks the people that love you. The people that are close to you. The people that you love. One of the problems we see today in the church is a divided heart. Because with David, he has these men surrounding him. But today we have a greater than David, Jesus Christ, who we proclaim King of Kings and Lord of Lords of our lives. And we come to him with loyal hearts. At least that's how it started. Do you know in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, the word comes to King Asa and says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. That was a word to Asa, and it's such a great verse. It's so encouraging. Almost always when we quote it in a Bible study, we stop right there. The only problem is there's a little bit left to the verse because Asa's in a part of his life where he used to be loyal, but he's not anymore. And so God comes to him and says, you know what, Asa? I'm looking. I'm looking for people that are loyal. What happened to you? Because the rest of the verse says, in this you've done foolishly, as he tells the king. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Pastor John Corson comments on this, and I quote, he says, the eyes of the Lord are looking for men and women whose heart is perfect. That doesn't mean flawless. It means their hearts beat in harmony with God's, not relying upon themselves, but saying, Lord, I'm depending on you. And at one time, Asa had such a heart. A double heart, such a big problem. Trying to serve God with a double heart it doesn't work. You know, where part of your heart wants to serve the Lord, but the other part wants to serve your flesh and your own desires. A, wom a woman or a man with a divided heart does not make a strong or reliable ally. 
someone that you can trust in the battle, someone that you can lean on. God is looking for singleness of heart towards him, one in whom he can trust, an ally. Yes, many people have a heart to serve the Lord, but they also at the same time, not only do they have a battle with their flesh, but they also have a heart to serve this world, this culture, the environment that we live in. You've given a place for God in your heart, but you also have given a place for the world in your heart. The, the way this world, you know, when you think of the world, don't think of a globe, you know, think of it in terms of the culture. The culture has a language, the culture has a direction, the culture has an anti-Christ, like an anti-God position. The culture just kind of goes as, you flow, uh, as they flow, it's the end justifies the means, and I can do whatever I want, as long as it doesn't hurt you, even though it's really hurting the person doing it, and they have, you know, you have your truth, I have my truth, when they, we all know there's only one truth, that's the world. But if you think you live in the world and it doesn't affect you, you're self-deceived. You pick this stuff up. Sometimes you have to sit through, I remember these days when I was in the corporate world, we had to sit through all these training seminars and take a test on it, and then we had to go through all the world. They were trying to train us to run the business the way the world does. That's what they wanted from us. It was a battle. And that's one thing in the corporate world where you learn how to adjust and adapt. It's a whole other thing with your own life. Are you being trained by the word of God? The answer is yes. But are you following it? It's a place of weakness to be double-hearted, to be disloyal. It's not okay. These are symptoms of a deep sickness, a spiritual sickness, this lack of a loyal heart. Jesus spoke of this. So much of what Jesus taught is easy to understand. Not complicated at all. He was a masterful teacher. Took very complex truths and made them very easy and relatable. And this one I'm about to read, you'll understand it on its face without any explanation. Although I will. I'm a pastor. I will give a little explanation. But you don't need it. You don't need it. Let me read to you what Jesus taught us. No one can serve two masters. Is that understandable? Nobody can do it. And somebody's in the room right now, oh, I think I can. Jesus said you can't. Trust him. And he explains, he says, either if you try to, either you'll hate the one and love the other, or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon might be hard to understand, but you can look it up in a dictionary. Jesus is talking about money. And it's true, you can't serve God and money. You can't have one as the priority or try to keep them both. You have to have one as the priority. If you try to serve two, you will have one. And if you try to serve God and money, money will be your priority. That's all you'll be into. That's all you'll care about. That's all you'll talk about. That's all you'll worry about. You'll wake up, oh, what happened in the markets today? Oh, who's gonna take my money and I'm not gonna make... Look, look, you can't do it. You're gonna serve money, you're gonna be all freaked out all the time. Jesus says that you can't serve two masters. Later on, he'll, tell, he'll give you the answer, the antidote at the end of the chapter, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You have a lot of money right now? You seek the Lord, he'll tell you what to do with it. You don't need to worry about it. You didn't, there was a time when you didn't have it. There's a time that you have it. There'll probably be a time when you don't have it. It all belongs to God. He's sovereign in it all, so you can trust him. But let's just step back for a second because we're not talking about money today. We're talking about your heart. So let's apply this to your own life. No one can serve two masters. 
You can't serve yourself and God at the same time. It's impossible. You're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to give more devotion to one than you will the other. You can't do it. It's ineffectual. Even though Jesus declares this to be an absolute impossibility, to me it's amazing how many people are still trying to serve two masters even into this new year. Trying to serve God and, and you could fill in the blank, it could be money, it could be self, it could be celebrity, it could be who knows what it might be, just whatever it might be, just chasing after it. And then kind of dabbling in things Christianity. It's, it's not okay. Listen, we should jot this down, maybe even take it into the new year. It's not okay to be partially committed to everything and totally committed to nothing. I'm gonna repeat that. Let it sit in the room. It's not okay to be partially committed to everything and totally committed to nothing. God is calling you to something much higher. Because you know, true strength doesn't lie in numbers. We might look at David here in battle or we might look and say, well, the more people that are doing it, the more strength there is. True strength does not lie in numbers. It doesn't reside in your abilities or your education or your wisdom or your experience, or your persuasive words, or how many years you've been on the planet, or how much money's in your bank account, or what your title is at work, or what you, none of that. That's not where true strength lies. True strength lies in the heart of a person, a heart committed to the Lord, a heart undivided, untainted, and unwavering toward him. Your strength and mine lies in our commitment. These men gathered together to David were very skillful. They were men of war. They were mighty. They were ready. But more importantly, the Bible says they were loyal. They were committed. Jesus did the same thing. He took 11 men. He took 11 men with one heart to make him king. And with these 11 men, he turned the world upside down. Just 11 men. He turned the world upside down. Those 11 men that served with Jesus have had a greater effect upon the history of mankind than any other group of men ever in history before and to come. Why? Because they were loyal. And they were committed. We have in the example of loyalty in the Bible is not perfection. It's not without stumbling and falling and making mistakes. It's a condition of the heart, a part of your character and the integrity you carry as a person. And even if you didn't have an example like that in your home like I did, we have an example of like that in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who's loyal to you. He went all the way to the cross. He died and was buried, rose again. He kept all of his word. Not one promise has been left undone by God towards you. He's faithful to you, loyal. The Bible says that even if you leave him, he won't leave you. <laughs> The Bible says if even if you and I are weak in our faith, he, he, is, he is, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And those are the attributes God is developing in us. It's not numbers, friends. It's not the size of anything that you have. It's heart, it's loyalty, it's commitment. It's not the size of the church you attend. It's not the size of your budget at home. It's not the size of anything that you are leaning on to somehow say, look world, look how important I am. It's your loyalty to the Lord. You say, look, Lord, look world, look how loyal I am to my God, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
The secret today is you set out to serve the Lord. The secret to your success in any endeavor follower of Christ is the singleness of heart to make Jesus your king. Turn over to Mark chapter 12 with me, would you? Mark chapter 12. Because we have the Old Testament word loyal, and loyal is used quite frequently in the New Testament, but there's another word that describes this clearly, and I think Jesus hits on it in Mark chapter 12. Because remember, we're talking about loyalty toward God, not each other. The loyalty toward each other comes after loyalty to God. So again, I'm not calling you to loyalty to me or loyalty to this church or loyalty to some movement or loyalty to something in the past. I'm calling you to a higher calling. That's a loyalty to God. This is what Jesus calls. He says in Mark chapter 12, notice with me, uh, he, he is in giving that instruction of where it starts and what the priority is. He says in Mark chapter 12, in verse 28, it says, then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment? What's the thing I should, what's number one, Jesus? That's a great question. Notice what he answers. The first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with, what does your Bible say? All your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So this loyalty spoken of in the Old Testament here is summarized in one word, all. Our series this month will be have it all. And we kind of go into 2024, I want it all, I want it all, I want it all. That's not the series. The series is not for you and I to have it all, but for God to have it all in our lives. To have all of you, all of you. I mean, seriously, for some, you gotta look back and go, man, this this is the, pastor, you're hitting on the summary of my life. I want a different year. A different year is gonna require different loyalties. A different year is gonna require different choices. A different year, a different forward moment, it's gonna require you to do the hard thing. It's gonna cost you. For some of you, it's gonna cost you deeply, but it's worth the cost. You're not going to obtain what you're looking for without the hard decisions. Loyalty, all, and even before loyalty comes, love precedes it. You gotta love God. Love him with all you got. Give it to him all. Then, he says, you can love your neighbor as yourself. Then you can be encouraged by that connection, that oneness with the Lord. With these kind of men and women, Jesus turns cities upside down, and certainly ours needs it, and states and countries. He sends missionaries out. He uses money and resources to do all sorts of things, build churches, help the poor. On and on and on it goes. Why? Because of loyalty to him. And that God would examine our hearts today, and we would reaffirm our commitment to him. That we're not going anywhere, Jesus. Remember Peter was asked, you're going to leave me too? No, man, I'm not going anywhere. You're everything to me. I don't even know why you'd ask that. Like I, I, and yet he would ask that because we need to have those times of examination. And why not now, heading into 2024, that we examine our hearts and we double down on the things that God has been blessing, right? Double down on the things that God is blessing. Double down on the great year you had in 23 or 22 or the debt rededication you had back in 1998. Yes, 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 double down. But let's grow in our commitment. And be careful that this world doesn't blind or weigh you down. 
from this commitment. It's interesting. One more verse, Luke chapter 21, and then we'll head out today. Luke chapter 21. It's, it's very important that you take heed to the teachings of Jesus here. Again, very simple teachings, easy to understand. In Luke chapter 21 and verse 34, Jesus is giving a warning toward the end, toward the coming of the Lord. He gives a warning and he says, Luke 21, 24, or 34, he says, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness. So let's pause there for a second. Because these are, these are go-tos, these are gimmies. Carousing, you can, if you, you know, the language that, that I grew up with is carousing just means partying. This is the party life. You know, you're at the clubs, you're at, at the, you're at the clubs, you're, you're at the home parties, you know, you're inviting people over to your house to get drunk, you know, the partying, partying. It's just, you're out living for the world, living in the world, doing the, doing the stuff of the world, and he ties it with drunkenness, and drunkenness is obvious. You drink too much, you're under the influence of alcohol, you say dumb things, you do dumb things, you just kind of live like with this legal anesthetic your whole life, trying to deal with some deep hurt or some deep pain, I'm sure, but it's wrecking all all your relationships, drunkenness and partying, you know, for most of us are like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have any problem with that. I'm not going to be weighed down with that. I mean, for me, it's been 31 years since I've been partying. It's been 31 years since I've been drunk. So those, no problem. I, I have no desire for them. No want them in my life anymore for sure. But there's a third thing he mentions there. Third thing he says, be careful. Your heart is not weighed down with drunkenness, carousing, and the cares of this life. You're like, whoa, the cares of this life are on the same plane as drunkenness and partying? Yes. Paying the bills, raising the kids, what's the future gonna be? What about my car payments? What about where I'm gonna live? The cares, real concerns. Just everyday real concerns. The types of things that if you're not careful, they'll weigh you down with worrying, doubt, uh, you know, trying to just take things into control and you're not looking to the Lord anymore and it starts to divide your heart. He says, be careful, don't be weighed down by them. Stepping out because the battle gets heavy and challenging and there are casualties along the way. Not everybody makes it, which is sad true but you know our loyalty was never to a battle and our loyalty was never to serving and our loyalty was never to the secondary things that get all our attention our loyalty is to God and he promises to take care of us he promises to fight for us as a believer in Christ the Bible says no weapons formed against you shall prosper the Bible says that we can stand fast in the grace of God. The Bible says that unity among the people brings joy and generosity through wholehearted devotion. And that's the launching into a new year. It's going to require in the world that we live a new approach. It's going to require a reaffirmation perhaps like Paul would say to the, or like uh, Jesus would say to the church in Ephesus, Remember from where you have fallen. Repent and repeat the first works. God has a great year in store for you. I believe it. Great doesn't mean without pain. Great doesn't mean without challenge. Great doesn't mean without battles and warfare, all of that. But we'll get through it with loyal hearts. 
We'll get through it as we're committed to the Lord. We'll get through it as we affirm our faith toward him and we pay whatever costs are required and we follow him day by day, moment by moment, by faith with a whole heart, not a divided heart. So Father, I pray for your spirit to take these truths, make them come alive in our hearts and our lives. You know, make them, um, we want to live them out, God. That's it. We want to live them out. And we ask for your help and an outpouring of your Holy Spirit today that would enable us to meet the challenges that we don't even know yet. I mean, we got some right now, but we don't even know yet what's up ahead. And we ask God that you would strengthen and help us as we enter into a new year. We really want it. We want a new home. We want a new marriage. We want new relationships with our kids, our grandkids. Not, not that we want new people. That's not it. We want newness of life to be breathed into our homes, into our families, into our singleness. That we might rise above and be used in even greater ways doing business till you come. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.